Welcome to Check It Out, a Westerville Public Library podcast where librarians share what we like and where you can find it. I'm Jordan, an adult services librarian. I'm Megan, and I am also an adult services librarian. And I'm David, and I work in adult services as part of the Innovation Lab. Okay, guys, thank you for being here with me today. So instead of an icebreaker, I wanted to make a statement. So I I can only speak for myself in saying that I've been shaken to see the repeated racist murders of the last few months committed by white police and white civilians against black people. I want to bring to the forefront a few of the names of the victims of America's racism epidemic. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery. And I also wanted to mention others, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, Tyree King, Philando Castile, and Eric Garner. And these are just the ones that I could think of off the top of my head and whose situations I remember. I I think that America has a deep-seated racism problem that has never truly been like reckoned with. And until we face it uh, and commit to fixing it, it'll just keep coming back and claiming more lives. And that is my statement. And then here is part of the Westerville Public Library's official statement. The Westerville Public Library condemns racism and all acts of violence. We do not have all the answers, but we stand ready to educate ourselves, to encourage critical conversations about racism, and to work towards social equity. So today, David, Megan, and I are here to stand in front of you to help educate you, to help educate ourselves, and to help us all move forward in a way that stands against systemic racism. All our picks today are going to be anti-racist books, And for some of you, this might be an uncomfortable or unfamiliar topic, and you might wonder what is anti-racism. Simply put, it is no longer enough to not be racist yourself. You have to actively be anti-racist against racism wherever it exists, um, because neutrality always sides with the oppressor. A simple example, if there are three people standing in a room, person A punches person B, and person C just stands there. They're not being neutral. They're actually assisting person A by not stopping them. And that's the simplest way I could put it. They're giving their silent consent. Absolutely. And so I'll just finish up before we get into our picks by saying, you know, every library will tell you that reading changes your world. You know, when you read, suddenly you're not just living your own experiences. You're seeing things from another person's point of view. And that creates empathy in the reader. And then you can go out into the world feeling what that person felt without having ever experienced that situation for yourself. And then you can feel what other people feel without their situation even affecting you personally. And I think that like, if everyone just has more empathy, uh, more support for each other, I mean, support for the downtrodden, then the world will be better and we'll be able to actually stop having these protests and everything. We won't have to do this. (laughs) every few months or every few years or whatever. They have done studies that have shown that kids that read fiction end up being more empathetic adults just in general. And that's why I think it's so important for kids to read books about people whose experiences differ greatly from their own. Because like you said, it allows you to then you're putting yourself into their shoes when you read it. And then when you encounter a real world example of the kinds of situations you read about, your brain has already gone through the thought process of Mm -hmm. how does this make me feel? How would I react? So you're not having to deal with that gut reaction Mm -hmm. in the moment. You've almost like primed yourself, so to speak. 
Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I would say as a parent, speaking to other parents out there, if you're listening, there are wealth of resources out there with people that have put together a lot of great kind of reading lists if you are a parent trying to get books for your children that really show a wide variety in terms of experiences. Because as Megan mentioned, in terms of that research, it's very important to to start young to kind of really get an understanding of, of that empathy of understanding one another. So um, if you feel like, oh, I don't know where to start, just know that people have already done the work for you and uh, just do a quick search online and you'll be able to find quite a bit. Yeah. And I think parents are worried that it's too soon to talk about some mature things. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it this way, if now is when your kids like confront these things, they won't have to deal with it for the first time later. Mm-hmm. Like if they're already aware of the issue, um, it won't be a surprise to them later. And they'll already be primed to understand it. Well, and I'm not a parent, but just from the perspective of how I would want to treat a child, I feel like the the right time to talk to them about a difficult subject is when they ask you a question about it. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't get to decide that they're too young and not that's entirely even disregarding the fact that there are plenty of children who don't get to choose to not Mm-hmm. deal with those issues. You know, I mean, yeah. Anne Frank was a child when she wrote her diary that everybody reads. And yet adults think it's weird when or inappropriate for kids to read her diary. <laughs> like she was a child when she right. wrote it. So, right. And I think especially now, um, as a father of a four year old, you know, having to describe the whole situation that we've all been living with the last, you know, four months, we sometimes take for granted, uh, a kid's ability to kind of rationalize that stuff. And, um, even things as complex as dealing with, you know, disease and, and things like racism, if you explain it to them, that they can easily get to the root of an issue because they, of course, are, you know, simplifying it themselves. And sometimes in a way that could help even simplify something for you to better understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do recommend you having those conversations and um, just putting some faith in the kids that you have because uh, they will surprise you. Yeah. So with that, let's get into our picks. I'm happy to go first. Sure. Okay. My pick today is going to be Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. This is not The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. It's just Invisible <laughs> Man. I read this for the first time in college and it was one of the few books that really like stuck with me uh, as far as like everything you, you know, you learn about like the literary criticism and all that. Uh, I was an English major and uh, this one just really stuck with me for a long time and I still think it's very relevant. So Invisible Man is about a nameless narrator. He's a young black man in, it was written in 1954. So I assume it's about that time, mid 1900s anyway, in America. And in the first chapter, the very beginning of the book, he he talks about how his blackness obscures him from nearly everyone around him seeing him and his individuality. So you see like throughout the book that like white people project various roles upon him, like they think of him as a menace or a brute or an entertainer or a sex fiend or just a mild mannered college student, like one of the good ones. And then at the same time, he's even pushed and pulled around by like black leaders and organizations who want him for political purposes, like as a token or a pawn to show him being passive and subservient or violent and radical. And then with all these groups, all these people, they eventually discard him and use him as a scapegoat for whatever problem they they face next. I feel like this is just as relevant as ever. So a lot of people of color are like having these images projected upon them saying like, 
look, these are violent thugs. These are drug dealers or like positive stereotypes too. They're like, these are good dancers. But then it's always like at the expense of like being smart, you know, or, or whatever. And like so often like black skin, I think is used as like a canvas where people can just paint like what they want to see. And so just, I think like going through this experience with the narrator, seeing how he's like pushed and pulled and used and never really gets to explain his individuality or like have that come across to almost anybody else in the book. It's still very relevant because it's easy even to see masses of protests, protesters, and think of them as one enormous group, but just these are people from like all walks of life. They all have individual stories, friends, family, different jobs, like, you know, different life experiences. And I think it's important to remember just the individuality of like otherwise painted as monolithic groups. So um, I think that's an important read. And again, that's Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. And you can find that as an ebook on Overdrive or Libby. And you can also get that through the library in a physical copy. Uh, I'd like to co-sign that title as well. Uh, surprisingly enough, very similar story to you, Jordan. Uh, English major, read a lot of titles, and it was one of the only ones that really stuck with me in the, in the long term. Uh, it was a title that, mm. I, that I'd heard before. And uh, not only was I really touched and impressed by the novel, but it was one of those situations where like it made me so keenly aware of the whitewashing of the literary canon where only mm. a few specific titles uh, tend to kind of pop up. And unless you are taking courses that really highlight uh, varying voices beyond that canon, uh, a lot of times you're unaware uh, of their existence. And it is one of the yeah. – I can tell you that that year I read – probably 40 to 50 books. And that's the one that to this day still sticks with me. So I'm really happy that you chose that uh, for today's uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the way this book might've come up was I was in like a, you know, one of the basic English literature classes at the beginning of like the English major. And our teacher was like, listen, this is going to be focused mostly on African-American authors. We're that's how we're approaching this literature course. It doesn't have to be by the course description. Mm -hmm. So if you have an issue with that, you can find a new class. And I was like, this is tight. I like this. Yes. <laughs> and it was just such an en enriching experience. And some of those books really did stick with me like to this day. So. I mean, and that showcases not only the onus, right, um, and the impact that the uh, curators, right, of that collection, in, in your case, right, the instructors, but also us as librarians, the kind of uh, things that we recommend, the displays that mm -hmm. we put together, we have the ability to, if we want to make sure that that's something that we want to showcase, right, if we find that to be a value that we want to make sure to share, uh, that's one of the ways in which we could do that. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that that has a great impact. Yeah. Check it out. All right, Megan, what did you pick today? For my pick today, I would like to talk about a book called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson. It was recently made into a movie starring Michael B. Jordan. Oh, yeah. So it seemed particularly relevant because Brian Stevenson is a lawyer and a social justice activist. He is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, a human rights organization based in Montgomery, Alabama, that particularly focuses on seeking justice and oftentimes retrials for criminal cases where either racism greatly colored the way that the trial went, 
or they were too poor to afford to get actual mm. fair representation. Mm -hmm. um, I read the book about a year ago, and I will readily admit I sobbed through most of it. Mm. Like, I knew on an intellectual level that our criminal justice system needed reform. But what I think makes this book so impactful and powerful is that he doesn't just give you statistics. There's some of that because he wants to he wants to illustrate that these stories he's telling aren't just anecdotal and one-offs. Yeah. But I think that as empathetic and sociable creatures, a cause becomes a lot more real in a, an emotional sense when you can put names and faces to it. So the book Just Mercy goes through his story of becoming a lawyer and then through to him founding the Equal Justice Initiative and the various cases that he's taken on with a focus on getting unfairly convicted prisoners that are on death row off of death row. Yeah. I think that that was one of the things that just got to me the most and actually convinced me to be anti-death penalty. Mm -hmm. Previously, I was like 95% anti-death penalty, like, mm -hmm. but- Reading a book like this, it just made me realize that I find it morally reprehensible, the idea that it's essentially state-sanctioned murder, and if even one person is put to death wrongfully, that's just one too many for me. Yeah. Just a very, very moving story. It really highlights the problems with, the, with our criminal justice system mm -hmm. in a way that is very accessible. Like, the subject matter's heavy. But the writing itself isn't dense. So I feel like it would be a good book club book even. Mm -hmm. Especially if your book club is willing to have some important conversations. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that this was available as a movie. That for the month of June, uh, Warner Brothers has made renting Just Mercy free on any streaming platform. Um, so like you can get it on Apple TV or Amazon Prime. The movie just focuses on one big case that kind of is the thread throughout the whole book. And that's the one that the movie focuses on instead of kind of talking about all the stories he highlights. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So you can access that through the library in multiple ways. The, um, the book that is. Um, we have physical copies of it. We own audio books of it. We have ebooks of it available on both Cloud Library and the Libby app with the Ohio Digital Library. There's also e-audiobooks on the Libby app that you can access. And then we have ordered DVD and Blu-ray copies of the movie as well. But like I said, that's available for free anywhere that you can stream it right now. So I feel like if, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a librarian, I'm going to advocate for books anytime I can. But, you know, if you want to kind of get a little bit of that perspective and you don't read books like i would take you just watching the movie <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a step in the right direction so yeah i mean it was it was transformative for me like it completely changed my outlook i don't think i was entirely naive before but mm. it just made it abundantly clear to me the extent of the problem um and as a white girl who grew up in relatively nice areas like i feel like it's never something that i've really been forced to confront in such a deeply troubling and personal way so mm. highly recommend it that's just mercy by brian stevenson check it out cool thanks and david 
Yeah, so for my pick, um, if you've been listening to the show, you know that I like to a lot of times uh, showcase graphic novels and comic books just because uh, I'm a nerd like that. And today is no different. I wanted to <laughs> showcase something that I thought would be really relevant to um, what we're trying to focus on today. And that is a, a collection of stories. Um, it's not officially a graphic novel because it's a collection of smaller, previously published issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a collection by uh, the writer and artist uh, Ben Passmore, which is called Your Black Friend and Other Strangers. The uh, first story there uh, was published in 2016, uh, Your Black Friend, which was about, I want to say, maybe a 16-ish page uh, mini comic that was released to... Um, some great critical acclaim. And then two years later, he would uh, release it again as part of a compilation, which is what we have in the library, uh, which is how I came across it myself. In the book, as the title kind of describes with that first story, it showcases, well, let me put it this way. If you are someone who has, uh, you know, black people in your circle of friends, um, especially if you are in a... um a sort of like subculture, right? Uh, that you identify with either musically or uh, politically or whatever the case might be. And if you feel like you are being a good ally, um, it's good to pay attention to what those people are actually feeling. And so what's great about this graphic novel is it really showcases the thoughts behind someone who is in one of those situations as a black person and how not only are the microaggressions and the comments and the direct racism from people outside of that subculture, but also the friends and the people within it as well and how that affects that individual, the ways in which people think they're being supportive, but uh, in actuality are not. Mm-hmm. And so I found that to be um, an amazing kind of little window. Um, in his other uh, comics in that collection, he talks about things like police brutality, things like protesting and rioting. Things like the prison system and someone that has gone to prison. Um, so it was just a great sort of um, almost like a collection of essays, uh, but done in this graphic novel style. And uh, we were lucky enough to have it in the building. We don't have it as an e-resource, but it is a, a, a resource that you can get. Uh, now that um, we're starting to gear up and, and allowing for uh, physical copies to be picked up. So it's something that I do recommend. Ben Passmore does have a Patreon. So um, I do recommend, especially right now, if you're thinking of ways to support people in the black community, especially if they are creatives, certainly utilizing the library resources is important. Uh, but as I mentioned in the past, if you find someone that you like, I definitely highly recommend finding ways to be able to support them directly, either looking into other things that they have, purchasing them. And also, you know, like I said, subscribing to uh, ways to be able to support them directly. But also, if you notice, if you come across any artists like that and you feel like it would be important for us to diversify our collection, please make recommendations yeah. based on that because I think that that yeah. is very important. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we uh, I've tried to make it a point and I'm sure other librarians as well uh, when we're doing a lot of these uh, reading lists and recommendations of trying to showcase how vast our collection is, but we are a single library system and there's a lot of stuff out there that either we have to borrow or could be added potentially to our collection. Uh, so mm. really... Um, as you're starting to go out with a keener eye um, and you're finding things that you feel like would be of benefit to the other patrons of Westerville Public Library, please make those recommendations to us. 
because I think that that helps to really diversify the catalog. Mm -hmm. I will also quickly recommend if you are someone that's kind of interested in uh, black voices, especially within the comic book and uh, graphic novel sort of realm, we do also carry a book physically, but also as an ebook through the Ohio Digital Library. It's called the Encyclopedia of Black Comics. It's a uh, collection of different comic historians, artists, illustrators, inkers, writers, editors, people in the comics industry that have had an impact that are black. And so you're able to kind of utilize that as a reference point to be, then be able to find out a lot more about uh, those individuals within perhaps a medium that you really like. So I really uh, highly recommend that as well. And again, that's called the Encyclopedia of Black Comics, available on Ohio Digital Library, as well as a physical resource in the library. Check it out. Cool. All right. So thank you guys for talking through this tough subject with me. Uh, I know I'm a little uh, on edge now. (laughs) Yeah, I've been having trouble sleeping at night. Yeah. But these are the types of difficult conversations we have to have if we're going to actually like do something and move forward and, and fix these problems. So wholeheartedly agree. Cool. Um, so thank you all for listening. Megan, David, thank you for being here. Thank you once again. Yep. All right. And we'll catch you next time with another episode of Check It Out. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.